Welcome to the Ecclesia Podcast. Join us as we engage in conversations about what it means to be the church in this age. We believe God is calling the church into a different mode of being, living beyond the status quo. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Ecclesia Podcast, uh, taking a look at the local church. With me, with me here today is uh, Pastor Phil and Hello. Marissa Burns. Hello, Joel. And I'm Joel. And uh, joining us from Toronto is Chris Pulaniagam. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Joel, and, and the rest of you. Hi. Good to be here. Hey, Chris. Chris, um, just to get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and the story of how you came to where you are now? Sure. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on this. Uh, as you know, my name is Chris, and I am a native of Sri Lanka who migrated with his family in 2001. I, um, my time in Sri Lanka was marked by, uh, well, I mean, I grew up as a Christian. I'm fourth generation Christian. So four generations ago, my, my folk were Hindu. Okay. And um, as some of you might know, in 80, 1983, uh, a huge conflict broke out in Sri Lanka where uh, two ethnic groups really uh, were at it, mostly terrorists from one uh, attacking the other. Uh, it's a long story, but I was, I happened to be uh, equated with part of the minority. So in 83, we came under, um, we, had, we had problems uh, close to being killed, let's put it that way. Mm. And um, even though my my wife had many of her siblings living overseas who were constantly asking us to leave the country and and come over we did not feel that god had opened the right door and we did not feel that god uh, wanted us to leave for the simple reason that through that um, incident in 83 he actually delivered us from from being killed i mean he saved us mm -hmm. and we figured that if god could do that once he could do it a thousand times more so security was not a concern and was not a issue for us to leave the country uh, we were there for another 25 years lived through the whole conflict and then in 2001 we decided to come over to Canada um, mainly for the reason that at that time we felt that uh, it was the right time to leave uh, both of us from different sources and of course God being the primary source heard God say it's time for you to leave so we left and that coincided with our eldest daughter having to look for a university so it all kind of gelled well and when we came here we realized that that was what god intended us to do so that brought us to canada um i am a my background is law and psychology and a bit of change management so i end up being um in doing some policy work in canada with refugee immigration law and policy mm. And then down the road, I joined, uh, I, I was involved in church work and all kinds of things, which I can elaborate later. But that's a very quick, uh, <laughs> dirty version of, um, of my story. I know this might be a really, really naive and complicated question to answer, but can you tell us a little bit about what the, what the conflict in Sri Lanka was about? Right. Sure, I'll try to do it. Uh, it's like explaining cricket to a Canadian, right? It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we assume have, we, we don't know anything, <laughs> okay? Because <laughs> we don't. 
All right. So <laughs> some uh, of us weren't born at that time. Right. <laughs> so Sri, Sri Lanka has uh, really one majority ethnicity, which is largely Buddhist uh, by reli- by religion and Sinhala mm-hmm. in terms of ethnicity. The next uh, the next major ethnic, ethnic ethnic group is Tamil, and they are Hindu. Mm-hmm. But it's sixty percent Buddhist and about thirty percent Tamil, and then there are others that are Muslim. Uh, Christians are a very small percentage, and I actually happen to be from a minority of a minority. I'm, I I come from a small group called the Kalambachetti, <clears throat> and I'm a Christian in that, which means I'm a real minority. Anyway, huh. and I, and I carry a Tamil sounding name. Okay. So in '83, the some armed militants from the Tamil minority group. Um, actually, waged a war against the majority, and yeah. there are good reason to do that, of course, because the Tamil, the British had been there before. And I forgot to tell you that Sri Lanka was colonized three times: oh, the wow. Portuguese, the Dutch, and the British. And when the British left, they di- they did what they usually do: they divided and conquered and ruled. So they they set up people from the Tamil minority into place of influence in the government, and they left. And so what he did was, singular people felt that they had been cheated, and right. began to take revenge with the Tamils. And in '83, uh, this this thing really burst where the Tamils said, "We are not going to take sin more, and we're going to react." So that's what started the conflict off. So, so there are these. So sorry, just to just to try and summarize that, if I understand it. So, uh, you had the British install some Tamil people in in higher positions, and then that's everyone right. else felt. And then the majority peoples that were from uh, a Muslim Sinhalese. background, Sinhalese. a Buddhist Buddhist background, right? Yeah, Buddhist background. Um, they yeah. they they said, "Well, that's not fair," and they started yeah. kind of and they started, riling yeah, and, up and against that. They started putting into place policies that discriminated against the Tamils. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Okay. And so this was 1948 when the British left. 83, the Tamils said, hey, "We had enough of this. We can't right. take it anymore." And yeah. some people took to arms. And try to overthrow the government. Actually, they try to claim their own land, oh, the northeast oh, of the country. They said belongs to them, and okay. they are fighting for their own homeland. Okay. So you might have heard the Tamil Tigers, which was a very militant group. They are the first ones who invented the the use of us, of a um, a bomb in a jacket. Uh, you know the right. they are the, the ones suicide who, bombers. The suicide vest. That's right. Mm-hmm. And they are the ones who invented that, and uh, you know they they used it very. Uh, very cleverly and very, very, um, uh, in a in a way that was very effective. So we lived through that entire conflict, and what happened to me was because I was in the, I was in a single dominated area. Whenever the Tamil these militants did any, did any, um, whenever they acted uh, or killed someone or you know, exploded a bomb, mm-hmm. the Sinhalese in my area would turn against the Tamils like us. Mm. To exact revenge because they couldn't get their hands on the militants. Right. So we were living in that kind of environment. Wow. But so it's it's like that principle of like beating up on the vulnerable sibling. Yeah. 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 Something yeah. like that. Yes. But yeah. a lot more than beating up. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> so yeah. Like so. Yeah. I mean, there were days when we, I would, I would see people coming with knives and you know machetes and whatnot because they didn't have AK forty in those days, right? Uh, they used the tools of trade, which are knives and, and axes and whatnot. And I'd stand in front of them and, and lie through my teeth saying, uh, no, I'm not sick. I'm not Tamil. All the Tamils have left the area and they would leave me alone. And 
Wow. That was for me. That was God just saving us. So, wow. Chris, can we ask, like, what what was the experience of Christians in all of that? What was the experience of the church? So, I must say, um, mixed, because on one hand we had individuals Christians who took the risk, who were singly took the risk of harboring Tamil, uh, you know, refugees in their homes. Wow, right and uh, if they if they were caught they would also be put to death or they would also come under severe fire so there were those individuals mm. as churches some churches opened up their doors and they became refugee camps overnight wow. to a lot of these folk who were looking for refuge but as the conflict went along something interesting happened mainly the i would say the mainly the evangelical kind of church and i'm, and I'm generalizing i'm not uh, it's i know that um a lot of them and including the church that I belong to, too, our way of coping was to ignore the problem. Mm. Mm. Because, because engaging with the issue was going to be costly, was going to in, mean that we had to get engaged in issues of justice and, you know, oppression and all those things. So the, the safest and the, and the least costliest way to, to deal with the issue, or to cope, was to disengage. And I found that in, and I found it interesting because uh, over the years uh, the the problem began to be localized in the north and east, and primarily the uh, churches in the south said, you know what, it's their problem. Uh, let's go, go on with you know what we are doing and and try to be safe. And so, uh, yeah. So well, from from there, now that you've kind of walked through all of that, um, how would you say that the church now? may regret that or do they regret staying silent or not being involved or did they get involved so here's yeah good i'm glad you asked this question so here's the other thing that and they're facing now and i can talk about my involvement with the church now but so in even within the church um singles and tamils who are christians could not see eye to eye in terms of the, their perspective of the problem the majority were saying, you know, uh, so the, the conflict ceased in 2009, it stopped, right? The, the leaders of the other side were killed and uh, they kind of broke the back of the resistance, if, if you can call it that. Right. So the majority church said, look, you know, it's happened. We want to just go on with life and let's, let's, let's go on. And the Tamil church are saying, no, we want justice. We want, we want some kind of commission to go into the, the misdeeds of the army against the Tamils and all that stuff and to this day there, there is a remnant of that still bubbling in the church in Sri Lanka mm -hmm. that's that's one but we also have a huge diaspora um, many of them who are in Canada almost about half a million of of Sri Lankans wow. of which a majority of them are Tamils mm -hmm. who have um, who bring memories of, of why they left Mm -hmm. And those memories, as you know, memories don't mature. So some some folk have got almost trapped in a time warp, where still waiting for issues of justice to be, you know, justice to be meted out. Mm. And uh, that's that's created a different dynamic, so much so that back in Sri Lanka you find people who are tired of war, who are tired of conflict, and they say we just want to move on. Right. But some of the diaspora in some countries like Australia and Canada and, and Europe mm. are saying not until we we issue, deal with the issue of justice, mm. 
So that plays a huge role in terms of strategy for reconciliation. And that's part of what I'm involved in as a, you know, on this, apart from other stuff that I'm doing. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you and I uh, work together in the Peace and Reconciliation Network. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so appreciate you, you, but also how you approach these very complicated issues. And one of the things I start to wonder about as I listen to you and your own people's experiences getting the church to work together and to be reconciled to one another mm-hmm. over very conflicting and, you know, deeply complicated issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, in many levels within uh, North American uh, church mm-hmm. life right now, there's conflict. We see that and even mm-hmm. shows up over things like a mask, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, different opinions, and this isn't anything new, um, but what would you... What is your experience and your story? Uh, what would you say to to North American Christians in the midst of this new time of having to figure out who we are and adapting? Uh, what's the main thing that we need to keep in mind so that we don't end up in those places five years from now, five days from now, mm-hmm. 40 years from now, where yeah. divides have occurred that just destroy people's relationships and... Mm-hmm. And keep people held back and not at not living a not living at peace. Mm. That's a great question, Phil. And I think um, uh, the reason I have a ready answer for that is because we've been working with this with a, a Sri Lankan kind of context for a while now. And that is, um, yes, we know that because we are human, we tend to bring our own humanness into into our relationships, mm-hmm. and what we've been trying to encourage uh, Christians to do is to recognize that above their ethnic identity lies an even greater identity, mm-hmm. and that's kingdom. And what we are trying to get people to understand is that when we are followers of Jesus, he calls us into a culture and an identity that is far, far higher uh, than our mm-hmm. ethnic identities. And so if, if we translate the principle into anywhere, any part of the world, I would say that if, if we can have Christ followers embracing a common Christian identity mm-hmm. and a common Christian kingdom culture, then we might be able to see that the, the grace that we extend each other because we're part of that culture far exceeds uh, are calling for justice and all the other things that are that are important, but cannot match that 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 mm. cultural identity we, we receive when we are when we are Jesus followers and living that culture. Yeah. So, have, have you seen examples of that, Chris? Have you seen where that has taken root, and what has it what has it changed? You know, it's it's difficult, Phil, because um, people tend to live in their own echo chambers. Mm. And yeah. so uh, when you go to church and hear a kind of philosophy being being even preached that calls people to a, diff, a, a separate identity, um, it's difficult unless you hear an alternate voice, an alternate you know, cult thing being preached at you to actually think of kingdom culture. Um, mm-hmm. So, the, and this is not just, this is not just relating to war, it relates to 
every other part of life as well. I mean, as you know, in South Asia, we have this dreadful caste system mm. where people are, people are given social status depending on what caste they belong to. Right. And so there are the, I don't know if you know, but in India, there are 250 million um, untouchables, those who mm. cannot even come within 50 yards of your back entrance of your house. You only can come to take out your outhouse, your crap from your outhouse. Mm. That's all you can do. So even if, you know, if you take conflict out of it, even in the normal social uh, area structure, um, if you can't have a kingdom cars operating, then this will always be there. So I I, I think when I, the examples I have are very um, s small, but they are happening. And they happen because of a number of factors, the least of which is the ability to forgive. I think mm -hmm. that's, that's huge. Um, once you take a step of forgiving the other person for the wrongs that have been done to you, irrespective of whether justice meets out or not, that's, I think, the first step to saying uh, we are willing to walk alongside with you in the, into this new future, that, which is uh, kingdom-oriented. So there have been those uh, little, you know, <laughs> what should I say, uh, spots of encouragement and light for us, but it's a long, long way, road ahead. It's not easy. Well, I was just, I was just thinking of that prayer by, um, St. Francis of Assisi of like, mm. let me pardon so that mm. I can receive pardon. It's this mm -hmm. idea where so often our, our culture holds on to the fact that we're right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that justice piece that you're talking about, Chris earlier, that can hinder us so, um, mm. incredibly well, um, when we just want to believe that what we have deserves um, attention. And so if we are able to release that and go forth mm -hmm. and model that to each other, I feel like that's a step that, that you're calling us to as well in your own experience. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, what does that even, what does that take? I think uh, yeah. is that king is that, is that kingdom perspective? Cause there's just so much fear in being vulnerable and that mm -hmm. when you release justice, um, you 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 put it aside, and, and so pe so many people are afraid that that won't be recognized later. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. but I'm yeah. I wasn't treated like a human in that moment, right. and for me to put that down and treat somebody else like a human, um, that may not ever be recognized. That mm -hmm. pain and that hurt, and so. I think there's a piece that we need to be aware that when we're, when we're called to forgive, um, we need that may, that forgiveness may not actually come back to us. Um, but yeah. it's the trusting that, that the people in, in your circle that you are trying to build with the church has that kingdom mindset. And so they too also reach mm. out. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think that was just an observation that I was mm -hmm. thinking about. Um, but Chris, I'm wondering, like, what? Now you live in Canada. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 20 years removed almost from you coming to yep. Canada. So this is now home. Obviously, you still have. By the way, I must tell you, um, when we came, 2001, it was the end of August. Uh huh. And September 11th happened. 
And so we came from a place that was full of bombs and going off exploding all the place and you come to, to North America <laughs> and the Twin Towers go down. Anyway. Yeah. Wow. So. What, I, what I'm wondering there is like, now that you live here, I mean, you, obviously you have, I know how much you carry in your heart, the, the Sri Lankan believers, but what, what is your, both your, uh, encouragement and optimism about the, what you observe about the church in, in Canada, but what are you concerned about for the church in Canada? Uh, you have three hours? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good question. So, I mean, this might have nothing to do with what we talked before. But to answer your question, I think God is intentionally dismantling mm. the support structures of our institutions, institutionalized church, so that he can get our attention once again. Mm. And I think uh, whether it's, you know, COVID or whatever else, or the, or the lack of money or whatever have you, God is letting it happen. I, I think there's a I know there's a purpose behind this. And the purpose is so that we can come to a place where like the early church, we say, you know what? We don't own anything. We don't have anything to claim as a right for us. All we have mm -hmm. is our faith and our passion and our homes. And I'm, it is my, actually, it's my hope that the, the church, and when I speak of the church in large, will begin to one day realize that God's not calling us to worship Him necessarily in these huge buildings that we have created for ourselves. What God, what, what God is calling us to is to have a passion to follow Jesus mm -hmm. where, and, and go wherever that leads us to. And um, I mean, look, even now with COVID, the, the last kind of bastion of, <laughs> of hope we had was meeting in our, in, our, in our churches physically, even that's been taken away from us. Mm -hmm. And and maybe there's a lesson to be learned in all of this, yeah. that we don't depend on these things that we've been given. So coming from a place like Sri Lanka, of course, we had churches and, you know, of brick and mortar, but we also had the churches that were growing the fastest were the ones that met under trees and met in huts, met in people's homes. That's where I, things really grew because what did they do? They had, they, they shared hospitality in their homes around food. And then they taught the neighbor the word Jesus. Isn't that what church does? <laughs> yeah. So that so I think that's the hope I have for the church. Of course, it's coming to us in very painful ways. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure who's going to hear this podcast, but you know, let <laughs> me get some hate mail. <laughs> well, I don't think it'll come to you. Enjoy <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the other one. <laughs> yeah, if you uh, have any comments, uh, we're going to post Chris's email in the description. Uh, <laughs> well, he's his phone number if you want to talk to him on the phone. Oh, that's funny. But and also, I think there's another thing happening. I mm. think that God's also moving people around the place two, in two ways. One is there are people who are coming to Canada who might never ever have heard the gospel in their lives because. Those countries are being close to missionaries, you know, the quote-unquote Western missionaries, no more yeah. visas, no more entrances. So those gods bring some people from those countries to our country to actually be open and be receive you know, the gospel. That's one. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that God is moving around people 
I would say people like me who are kind of coming back to the West, being first uh, mission, missionized by the West, but coming back mm. to be a kind of missionary for the West. Mm. And I think we bring a particular voice and a, a unique perspective that can be useful or might not. But I think God's kind of mixing things up and and I'm, I I hope I'll live long enough to see some of the fruit of all that's happening now. So I'm not sure where they answered the question, but I think God's well, doing a shaking and a baking, like like they say. <laughs> well, it's it's really it's it's a really helpful perspective, and it's it's kind of like the 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 ground is being worked up again, right? And yes, creating space for seed. Um, yeah, and your words are are encouraging us to think uh, deeply and differently about that. So wow. What I what I'm hearing, and and just to make this super practical for people in Canada, North America, with with everybody getting real divided over COVID and how it should be handled, and we all feel, and I I'm guilty of this. I feel like I have a cause that I need to take up, mm. and and we we may have even opposing causes, but mm. what you, what I hear you saying, Chris, is. Um, and what I think the Spirit is saying to us is that there is no cause that we can have that is more important than the cause of Christ, the mm. cause and the call to be the church and the call mm-hmm. to make disciples of all nations, mm-hmm. and that that mission trumps mm-hmm. our disagreements um, across the aisle in the church, that that trumps everything, um, and that needs to be our foundation and our mm-hmm. focus. Um, in a time when we can we can let the minor things become the major things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I would say I'm into that, and, and unfortunately, we have made uh, we have given a certain meaning to that to the great I, I call it great commission. I don't call it commission because it's actually not. It's a it's an invitation for us to partner with God's mission. But that's a different story, not different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I think uh, you know. We have given different meaning to it. We, we think it's been it has to be done through programs and you know institutions and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm saying I think God is calling us to be um, the church. You you will hear this from me if you talk to me long enough. That I think I think the the hope uh, and the and the strategy for church growth. Church means a capital C church is to equip, empower, and mobilize our lay people. Mm-hmm. If Quit, that doesn't happen, power and the church will not grow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we need more workers, not less. Yeah, exactly. And and we need to have uh, people like you, Phil, and other people who are pastors to to be courageous to say, my job is not to serve you, but my job is to help you serve. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And I think that's where we got hamstrung with ninety eight percent of the church sitting their pews and getting overfed mm-hmm. and two percent being overworked <laughs> yeah. and being starved and i think we got to change that we change that ratio up a little yeah so maybe this what's happening to us now might be the right time i i, I think it's 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 a it's a god thing it's a god it's a gift that god has given us yeah even though we might see it that way yeah thank you so much chris mm-hmm. for joining us today i've learned so much I hope so. <laughs> just, just talking with you, and my my eyes have been opened just a little wider today. Mm-hmm. So we thank you for your time and for joining us. 
Uh, as we close, would you just pray for us? Um, pray for sure. us as, uh, as a local church and as a national church and as a global church. Sure. I'll be happy to do that. And thank you. Before I pray, thank you also for inviting me. It's great to spend this time with you. Mm-hmm. Pleasure. Shall we pray? Let's yes, do please. that. Yeah. Dear Father, we call you our Father because that makes us brothers and sisters with each other. Mm. And what a joy it is to be connected this way through your Spirit. We thank you for technology that helps us to um, facilitate this. But we also thank you, Lord, for the spirit and the heart that given us, heart for you. God, I lift up to you today, Joel and Marisa and Phil and their, their local congregation, uh, their region, their province, the whole of Canada, the whole of North America, especially, Lord, as the elections in South are due tomorrow. I just pray, Lord, that your spirit would... Um, we will give free reign to your spirit to do what you want to do with us in our lives. God, I just, I'm so thankful that even through the, uh, the horrors of this virus and everything that's going on around, around us, we can see that you're shaking things up. And God, when you shake things up, we know that something's going to happen. And we wait expectantly for that something. God, in the meantime, we pray that you would encourage us, give us, give us courage. Uh, give us patience and give us love more than anything else that we would in spite of maybe disagreement that we would learn what it is to love one another the way that you have loved the church so god thank you for this time and may even this conversation be blessed by you and taken uh, to the ears of those who need to hear such a conversation in jesus mighty name we pray amen 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 thank you chris thank you great to chat with you Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, help us reach even more people by leaving a review, like, or share on your favorite platform. If you have any questions or comments, email us at podcast at kgfchurch.com.